is Actually You Are a Real Runner with Jacqueline Riccio. I'm so excited today on the podcast. I have Allie Jamron. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I'm so excited. We connected through our mastermind and it's just so cool to meet up with someone in person and then be able to have this connection over our podcast. So Allie, we're going to get started. I like to start with kind of finding out about your relationship with kind of food and exercise growing up like in high school before we enter college. So what did that kind of look like in your early years? Yeah, so I grew up in western Nebraska, so there was definitely not a lot of emphasis on health, food, nutrition. Um, I was a really picky eater. I ate a lot of processed food, a lot of fast food. I ate a lot of sugar, all the things, and um, I was kind of overweight. Like in middle school, I remember like thinking that I needed to be smaller. I... Um, was influenced to do diets a lot at that point, watched other family members do diets a lot. And so knew that like that was out there, maybe I should be doing it. Started to drink like diet soda at that point. Um, and so I think that influence was always there and just kind of always like the pressure of like, oh, I really like this like air quote good food, but I probably shouldn't be eating that. But I had no knowledge really of like, how to like eat healthfully and how to have a positive image around food and body image and um you know how to do it sustainably like that didn't come until decades later actually um so yeah that was kind of my first start to food i would say mm -hmm. were you an athlete did you do sports growing up um i was involved in sports i never really loved sports um I, like I said, I did them. My sister was really a great athlete and I felt like I just kind of did them and I didn't really love them. So I did exercise in that capacity, but, um, probably could have done some more. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I think that it's so common and is especially like the diet and like the diet soda, like, okay, cool. Like, great. I'm doing this. And it is like, it is a small step that you can make, but, um, yeah, like that, cool, like all of this processed food or like the diet versions of these things. I think a lot of people can relate to that. So you go to college and how did things shift in college? So actually at the very end of my high school, like I was always, I had friends, uh, there was 12 of us who were like best friends and I was probably the biggest one of them. They were really, really tiny. They were all dancers. And I always knew that. And I always thought like there was something wrong with me that I was bigger and definitely felt kind of like that um, inadequacy toward that, that that was something that I needed to change. And so I, at the very end of high school, talked to my mom about it and she was like, okay, let me research. It was like the very beginning stage of the internet and like diet books and stuff. So she's like, okay, cause she needed to lose weight too. So she's like, let me research how to do this. And so her best option, she came up with the Atkins diet. And so I was like, cool, I can eat cheeseburgers without buns every day. Like that was my favorite food. I can eat steaks still. I can do eggs. Like I can do this. And so I can do diet soda. That's when like sucralose or Splenda came out, all the diet sugar-free food. And so that's what I did. I still consume zero vegetables, but I did that diet for probably about six, seven weeks. And I actually dropped about 15 pounds. Like I dropped a lot of weight pretty quickly for, cause I'd never really like dieted before. And I was young, had a good metabolism. And so that was really like the first time that I had actually dieted with success. 
Um, and I did it. I didn't have a carbohydrate or over 20 grams for those whole seven weeks. And then I got in a car accident and I was like, I need some, some carbs. Like I just needed some comfort food. And it like broke the, the phase I was in, I guess, like the momentum of it. And from that day on for honestly, probably like almost five years, it just like struck the diet mentality. Like every single day I was like, okay, I'm not going to have carbs today. I'm going to do this again. And then I would have a carb and I would binge on it. And then I'd be like, okay, the last diet mentality, here we go again. I'm not going to do this again. And it literally like stuck with me for like five years. I would feel guilty if I had carbs. I thought carbs were terrible for you. And um, it affected all through college. I had a roommate that also had an eating disorder and she and I kind of did it together. Um, It was a really unhealthy time. And I think, um, you know, a little bit more of a backstory. I had just lost my dad. I lost my dad when I was 19 in my freshman year of college. And so like that kind of piled on too. And um, it was a rough time for me. I finally decided that I needed help with like a nutritionist. And so in college, I actually went to one and she's the one who kind of opened me up to intuitive eating. Uh, she actually gave me the book of it and told me that this was how we needed to do it. And at the time, like I listened to her and I believed her, but I still didn't believe that like I could trust myself enough with food to do it. I was like, I know I need a plan. Like this worked. I need to lose weight. This is like, to me at the time, intuitive eating was like giving up. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I dabbled in it a little bit, but ultimately kind of still went back to like, I need to be smaller. I need to eat less carbs, um, type of mentality. And that's so hard because I'm putting air quotes up, but you saw that quote success when you first did Atkins, which, and I think about that too, the first time, whatever diet you do first that you like see that success, you're like, that's the one, if I can just get back to that, if I can just force myself to not eat carbs. Mm-hmm. then I'll be more morally good and not like, that's great. But like, cool. If you I just allow me. myself to eat carbs, like that's giving up, that's failing. What do you mean? Just trust my body. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. So from there, um, from there I started to get into exercise a little bit. So I started with like the elliptical and in college we had to volunteer at like an event and mine was Ironman. And so I went to Ironman and watched these people like do obviously the whole Ironman. And I was uh, on the aid station and stuff. And I was like, wow. Like honestly looking back, my first thought was like, these people are really fit. Like this is, they're onto something here. But on the second hand, I also was like equally like, this is really inspiring. This is amazing. Um, and so I decided I was going to try to run a marathon and like the longest I'd ever run before was literally probably two miles. Like I remember my first (laughs) three mile run was like brutal And so I decided to do this. I like joined a running team and stuff and started training. I did some half marathons that first season. And then um, from there, I kind of went on to do, I went on to do five marathons. Um, And in that time, honestly, I gained weight every single marathon (laughs) because I think I was just hungry and I was like, it's still in that kind of like restrictive binge. Like I ran 18 miles today. I can go ahead and eat whatever I want to. Um, so still not a super healthy time, but I was at least allowing myself to eat carbs. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And I think that's pretty common too. I, I would say that there were times that like I've used food as reward for running or like to get myself to run and it's like not, okay, cool. It wasn't the best, but 
the converse of like not eating. Cause that's, I've talked to people too. Like I'm so afraid to eat carbs and I'm training for a marathon. It's like, Oh my gosh, the stress yeah. we're putting on our bodies when we do that. So, so you're training for <laughs> completing five marathons. You just like threw that out there. Like, Oh, whatever. Just, just ran five marathons. <laughs> that was over the course of how many years? Um, gosh, I think I started in 2000 eight mm-hmm. in probably 2000 and that must have been before that 2006 maybe um to 2000 maybe like 10 it's probably like about one a year like my last one I did six months after the previous one so mm-hmm. about like you know what probably five and four years yeah that's huge yeah yeah it was it was great it was a really um, it was really great for me for lots and lots of reasons. Like just mentally, my family had no one in my family was a runner. No one had ever done that accomplishment. Um, it made me feel like I gained some confidence in myself with that. And um, I learned resilience. I learned perseverance. I learned all of those good lessons. I learned how to push myself out of my comfort zone. Um, so lots of good lessons from running for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So you're not training for marathons now. You kind of transitioned out into like other forms of fitness. So what did that kind of look like? So I um, went into acupuncture school after like my last one and um, I actually had some back pain and looking back now, I know it was like all stress related back pain. Um, So I stopped running for that time and then went through school. It was a really busy time and I just didn't run through that. And then I had two kids um, start my business and stuff. And I just, I don't know. I, same thing after my kids, I kind of got back into it. I've done a couple halves since then. But I just, my husband runs marathons still. And every year I, when he crosses the finish line, I kind of get this like, oh, I should do that. But then I think about like the actual training and stuff and my body just feels really different now. And um, so I don't know. I, I hope one day I actually get back to it. I would actually like to do another one, but we'll see. Yeah. And I get that. And it's like, like, it's a, it's a full-time job. Like it's another job. And so having a business and having kids and having two businesses, like that's a lot to put a lot of stress to put on yourself. Yeah. So, um, what does fitness look like for you now? If running isn't like the big thing in your life. So I changed over to doing more like hit training. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was kind of my gateway drug from running and getting the cardio in to strength training. And now I do like three days a week of strength training and like one day of hit. So I've actually cut it down quite a bit. I was having like some hormone issues about a year ago now from just exercising way too much again. And so I uh, cut it down to four days a week and I'm, I'm happy here. I think it's a good equal balance part of my life right now. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome to be able to cut back but know that like cutting back is actually the best thing. Cause I think that we think, no, no, I always have to be at hundred. It was scary. I had, I had a naturopathic doctor, actually uh, a colleague of mine. We kind of treat each other and um, he talked to me about it and I was telling him what I was experiencing stuff. And he was like, you just, you were doing too much. Like you have too much on your plate right now. You need to cut it down to four days a week. And I was like, okay, I've never like exercised that little really. And it was, it was a process for sure, but, um, it was a good one. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about kind of the, like how he knew or how you knew, like when you're talking about the hormones, like what was your body going through? What were you seeing day to day that he was like, Oh, cut it back. 
Yeah. So my body, um, and I learned this kind of through marathon training too. My body's just sensitive, like hormonally, like with my period and cycle, it's sensitive to exercise. Um, and I noticed that like my periods were starting to get really long in between them. I noticed I was spotting a lot more and not that that's like a huge thing, but it does signify that obviously hormones are imbalanced. And with that, I was noticing like just feeling really fatigued. Um, my energy levels were pretty low and I noticed anxiety was up a little bit. And I noticed like in between ovulation and my period starting that I just like didn't sleep for those two weeks because progesterone is supposed to be high those two weeks and you should feel calm and relaxed and um, that's really what that hormone does. And if you're deficient in it or low, then you're going to feel the opposite. And so I really started to notice that and just, um, my immune system was a little low and mostly just, I felt like when I was exercising, um, if I got my heart rate up, I would feel like it took forever to get it back down. Um, so just a lot of signs of like what we call adrenal fatigue or HPA axis dysfunction, where you're just kind of burnt out. And I was um, waking up really early to do it. I was really getting my business going. Um, I had two small kids. So I had a lot of other stuff going on too. And it made sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then, um, so you cut back on the exercise. Were there any other things that you did to help with? Um, uh, yes. Yeah, so to be honest with you, uh, I, the program that I was doing was called 80 Day Obsession. Um, and I actually, it's a beach body program. I actually still like the exercise in it. It just, it's really intense. It's like 60 minutes, six days a week, and it's hard. It's a good workout. Um, and so I was like losing some of the baby weight that I was still hanging on to. And so I liked the results of it, but obviously like the physical symptoms and stuff I was experiencing. And on top of that, which I think is really probably why this all happened was I was tracking food. Um, and being not very intuitive about it. I was eating probably too low of calories. I was eating something like I would eat maybe like in my mid twenties when I didn't have children and wasn't so busy. Mm -hmm. And, um, my body just couldn't handle that low of calories anymore. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. So I learned that the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's powerful too, to just kind of see that, you know, there are those times that we kind of weave in and out with our nutrition and that mm -hmm. we never, like, we never get to this point where we're like, cool, like everything's perfect, but like we might take a few steps back and then a few steps forward. So yeah. when you switched it up and you started eating more, I'm guessing, mm -hmm. um, what, what did you notice? So, I mean, and that was like the scary thing. I actually was really nervous to obviously back up on exercise and not track food anymore and probably eat more mm -hmm. um, because I was, I remember when I started the program, like I was hungry. I was definitely restricting in ways of like, I was feeling like the hunger signals and like yeah. saying like, no, you don't have enough calories left for the day. Um, and so I knew when I stopped tracking that I would listen to hunger signals as like the biofeedback. And so I knew I would eat more. Um, but honestly, I didn't notice anything. I, honestly, and my body just maintained, it stayed the exact same size. Um, it's the exact same size probably today with, you know, everyone fluctuates a little bit. Um, but yeah, nothing drastic at all. Mm -hmm. That's so hard. I actually was reading back of one of the books, the 21 day fix, uh, extreme book. And it was talking about the food and it was like, in the book, it literally says, do not 
listen to hunger signals like and I was like I was like oh my god it's like stabbing me in the stomach and it was just like hunger and cravings aren't like a good sign um you should listen if you can't get it make it through a workout and I was like well I don't know that telling someone to not trust their hunger is the best thing. I know that I know the intention. Cause I think that like, cool, like I could say like, Oh, I need chocolate every day. I need a mountain of ice cream every day. Like I understand like maybe their intention, but like telling someone don't trust your hunger is your hunger is so like, Oh mm-hmm. yeah, totally. And like from my perspective, like, um, if you've ever heard of like the fight or flight response of like adrenaline going and cortisol, your stress hormones, which affect everything in your body. Like when you ignore hunger, that's what it's setting off for you. And I too, like I struggle with that because I do understand where they're coming from, from somebody who's really out of touch, which is also not intuitive eating when you're just eating whenever you want to and not listening to hunger or fullness signals and things like that. That is also not intuitive or listening to your biofeedback. Um, so I get where they're coming from too, from somebody who's totally new to it, but it is not the best idea. And to be honest with you, when I did that program last summer, um, it asked me to calculate like how many calories I should be eating and they do like their container system for food. And, um, I never bought the containers or anything, but my calories were supposed to be at 1200. Um, and exercising that much. And I, I cannot even, I didn't go that low. I went significantly above that actually. And I still got those feelings. And so I can't even imagine eating 1200 calories again. I mean, I did that at certain points in my life in my twenties. Um, but yeah, that would have been really miserable. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just think about, yeah, like the low energy and just like, even like having the energy to do the workout or like walk around and do anything, take care of kids. Like I, or like the, like the concentration, like I, how, no, (laughs) it's crazy. And that's what it got to. It literally got to the point where like I could do the workout, like I would push myself through it, but I felt like I needed to like lay on the couch all day, which is how, like when I would run 18 miles, like that's how I felt then too. Like I could do it and I did do it multiple times, but I didn't have anything else hard in my life at that point. I was single. I was, didn't have children. I didn't really have like a stressful job. I wasn't running a business. I wasn't in school. I didn't have anything else. I went to my eight to five job um, or was either job hunting at the time and ran the miles and I could lay on the couch for two days if I wanted to. And so I was like, okay, but this season of life is not the same. Mm-hmm. So. so you're not tracking and you're not doing 1200 calories anymore. What does intuitive eating look like for you? I know it's not the same every day, but maybe like what kinds yeah. of things are you like, cool, this is like what works for me? So I, I'm an acupuncturist and I have kind of, um, gone to like more nutrient dense foods, like things I view it as more like, okay, I actually want to get these things in my body today, um, for the health benefits, for the energy benefits, for how they make me feel. And so, and they do change. Like I like to drink bone broth and I like to do a lot of plants and I like, obviously I'm a meat eater too. Um, and I like to do like amazing grass, green smoothies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so that's really how it looks like for me right now. I just am like, okay, what, how am I feeling today? Like, did I sleep well? Am I energetic? Is how's my immune system doing all that stuff? And that's really how I kind of plan my day. Um, I just kind of think about like what kind of micronutrients my body probably needs for the day and, um, kind of go with that. And then I, 
I actually still kind of struggle with this. So I um, struggle with like meal planning. I'm not a food prepper at all. And I'm gone. Like today I was gone from 11 to eight. And so to, for me to like bring food to work and stuff is, is just always my biggest struggle. I'm always feeling like I'm too, going too hungry and things like that. So that's something that I'm still kind of working on is maintaining like the right amount of food. Cause I feel like I can go several hours actually in between meals without eating and be fine with it. Um, so I generally, if I'm having like a good day where I'm at home and like really involved in intuitive eating, I probably eat like three meals a day, maybe a snack. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like I said, I'm still working on sitting down and actually being really present while I'm eating and not eating on the go and all that stuff. Um, cause that's really helpful for obviously like floating and things like that. But it's helpful for listening to fullness signals. Um, if you're busy and chaotic running around, you're not, you're going to miss those. So, uh, there's always room to improve with intuitive eating, I think, and always further things to listen to, but, um, that's kind of where I am right now. Yeah, that's, I think that's huge. The, the sitting down and eating was like light bulb, like, Oh, Whoa, that changes like everything about the meal, everything. Yeah, totally. So, and I know that we've kind of talked about orthorexia a little bit, and I I listened to a really great podcast um, that you had out a couple of weeks ago. And so is there, so I know that sometimes we can get so obsessed with clean eating. Um, Is that something that you've experienced with yourself or you've seen um, in clients or out there in the health world? So most definitely. Um, I think in my profession, it's really rampant actually. And I feel like I have teetered on the edge of it from just listening to colleagues or teachers or coworkers or whatever. My old boss and I, I used to work at a chiropractic office and he was really into nutrition. Um, and he liked to do like little seminars and talks with people. And honestly, this was like a really defining moment in my career. So one night we had this talk and it was supposed to be about nutrition and he opened it up. We were both standing up there and we were talking in front of a bunch of just like average people that like just didn't know like a ton about nutrition or like interested in being a little bit healthier, probably like blue collar workers, just normal people. And um, he starts talking and he's like, you know, we die in this country of you know, preventable diseases and it's about what we eat and we need to be really mindful of that. And then he starts just going off on like the meat industry and saying like how conventional meats are terrible for you. They have pesticides, they have hormones, they have, they're raised wrong, all this stuff. Then he goes into like the produce and how their Monsanto has, you know, glycophosphate and uh, like all that stuff. And then he goes into like the government subsidies and how like sugar subsidized and corn subsidized and it's making us fat and unhealthy and just like starts every facet, like even like meat and vegetables and fruit and stuff like that. He was going off on it. And I literally like, as he started going, I just kept watching like the faces of these people and they were just like the most defeated, overwhelmed looks ever. Um, and while we all know all of that information, there's no shortage of documentaries and honestly like fear mongering about it. We all know. Um, but it's the reality of the situation. And yes, you can choose organic produce and conventionally or non-conventionally raised meats and things like that when you can have the choice. Um, but it's not going to be a reality hundred percent of the time for probably any of us. 
Um, I don't think one person on in America at least could probably do that. And so I think the education piece can be there, but I also think that there needs to be some reality of like, we have a body that has detox organs. We have lymph nodes, we have sweat, we have urine, we have bowel movements, we have a liver, we have kidneys, we have all these things that help us to get rid of the toxins that we're exposed to. And, um, I also think the stress and the fear involved in all of these, um, you know, fear mongering campaigns is also not helpful. Um, and so with that said, I think, you know, for the general population, like educating them a little bit on like what's healthy food and some of the stuff that they can be doing just really quick, you know, tactical things is helpful. Um, but I don't think that being scared of our food source and making other people scared of our food source is the way to go with it. That's huge. It's something I'm kind of passionate about because I just like, like I said, I watched those people and they walked out of that room having no idea what to do. Yeah. yeah like what's my action step? What am I even allowed to eat after yeah, like hearing everything? what do I buy for my family of five on this budget that I'm eating or that I'm working with? Like I can't afford, you know, packs of $20 meat every meal and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I, I just don't think it's helpful. I think the stress of it is way worse than just doing the best that you can. Um, and kind of moving on. I love that. That's helpful. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I think that like kind of that goes with the all or nothing or like perfectionist mindset. And it's like, okay, cool. That would be great. But however, that's not like, that's not going to be reality for us um, ever. Yeah. And right. yeah, yeah, totally. It's not going to be. Um, and I just, I think in my own profession, like we are the very worst about it. There's a lot of people in my profession that preach about all of these things that make people really scared and, um, like you said, there's not action steps. They just leave it with like, oh, be scared of everything pretty much. And um, I think that's kind of what the documentaries do on it. Um, and yeah, everyone feels like they're going to get autoimmune disease or cancer the next day. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've been afraid of like, okay, cool. I can't eat this. I can't eat this. Don't drink the water. What, like, yeah. I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. So kind of keeping yeah, it. Yeah, it just gets to be like, even like the, the air quote, like superfoods, like spinach. Well, spinach is like the most highly pesticide sprayed food and it's like got E. coli on it. It's always recalled and it's just like, shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. That's kind of my own spiel about it. Yeah. That's helpful. That's helpful to hear though. Cause like, okay, cool. Just do the best that you can and move on with it. And like the fear and the stress about these things is causing harm too. Cause we never really think about like the mental component, like the mental health of yeah. like, how do we eat? Like that, that has, you know, a big effect, effect on our bodies as well. Totally. Yeah. I think, um, I'm huge into mental health. Like that's something that I feel like, um, I've struggled obviously with the things that we've talked about with things like that. And I see it in my patients the most, just like the mindset, the perfectionism, the fear, um, stress, chaos, overwhelm, busyness, all those things. And so, um, mental health is really like the thing that I'm focused on the very most in my own practice. And I do think like the things that you're telling yourself, um, affect your physical body, like so, so much way more than anyone would ever give credit to. I think mostly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's some people that know, but yeah. For sure. 
So we talk a lot about, you know, people are so busy and they'll eat all of the best foods and they're moving their bodies and they're exercising, but they're really lacking on the sleep. So can you tell us a little bit more about why sleep is so important and just kind of like ways to get more sleep? Yeah. So sleep is really important, especially for runners out there. Um, you know, sleep is when we repair, we heal, we rejuvenate, lots of things happen when we sleep. So we need to make sure that we're getting, you know, adequate amounts. Um, it also obviously helps us feel better. So in terms of energy and hormonal health and mental health, all those things too. Um, but yes, I think it's like one of the things that probably goes on the back burner the very most for people. Um, when they're busy. It's something that you can kind of cut into. And so, um, you know, one of the things I have a lot of people who have trouble sleeping. In fact, I posted on like my own Facebook page today about it and got like hundreds of comments about why people have trouble sleeping. And honestly, I think a huge part of it can just be like solely sleep hygiene. Um, like people using their phones and computer screens and stuff like right before they're trying to get to sleep. When we look at blue light before we're trying to sleep, that literally tells our brain that it's daytime and to just stop producing melatonin. Um, so one of the best things that you can do if you're having trouble sleeping or waking up in the middle of the night or sleeping restlessly is to just give yourself some space between like your blue light time and actually going to bed. So some people need up to 90 minutes, other people need like 30 minutes. So just kind of play with it and see what works for you. Um, other things is, you know, getting to bed. 10 p.m. is actually a really ideal time to get to bed hormonally. Um, you avoid kind of like a second stress hormone surge, which makes it a little bit more difficult to fall asleep and stay asleep. Um, so if you're having trouble trying to get to bed by 10 p.m. can be helpful. Um, getting outside during the day is really helpful. So watching like the sunrise, watching the sunset, resetting your nervous system with the daylight can be helpful. Um, making sure that your room is like cool, dark, um, and has the right amount of like white noise in there, right amount of air circulation, um, making sure like it's your sleep sanctuary and it's actually like really comfortable to you. Um, your bedding's comfortable, your pillows, your pajamas, all that stuff. Um, that can be a huge help too. And so I think, you know, um, and lastly, I guess one of the things I also see people doing is kind of rushing around in their day until the very last second when then they're just like, oh, crap, it's late. I need to get to bed. And they didn't do any winding down. Their mind's still going a million miles an hour. Their body was just going a million miles an hour too. Um, and it's hard when you're doing that to just go to bed and lay there and close your eyes and get sound sleep. Um, so making sure kind of like when you turn off the blue light, I always encourage people to do kind of like the, a bedtime routine or a little wind down where you read a book, take a bath, uh, meditate, whatever feels good to you is totally fine. But just kind of like calm your nervous system down, tell yourself it's bedtime. Okay, cool. <laughs> That's super, super helpful. Cause I think that when we think of self-care, we do think of the things like vegetables and running and whatever, but like sleep is so like, oh, I'll sleep when I'm dead, but not like, okay, cool. Like that's going to come a lot yeah. sooner. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, definitely it will. Um, so yeah, definitely sleep is, should be a priority for everybody. Mm -hmm. When you, so I talk about this a lot too, that we'll see kind of all of these things on the internet that, um, whether it's with exercise or with food or with um, just like gimmicks, what things do you see on the internet that you like that like just 
irks you and just like, you're like, oh, why is this even up there? Um, honestly, one of the things is like orthorexia stuff, like just the straight fear mongering with like no advice that really kind of bothers me. Um, that's a big one. And then I think just, you know, kind of you and I are kind of on the same page with like, just all like the fad diets, like, you know, there's so many different ones out there from low carb to tracking macros. And, um, it's not that any of them are inherently wrong, but they promise a lot of things and they, you know, you and I are big fans of intuitive eating and like, you know, getting on eating to fuel your body and get on with life. Um, and I think, a lot of people just spend a lot of time in their life focused on food and like what to do about it. Um, and trying to lose like as little as five pounds. And, um, I guess that part just kind of makes me a little bit sad too. I'm like, Mm -hmm. you can have right now what you have if you lose five pounds. Um, and it's not going to really afford you that much more in your life. And if, if you think it is, um, you know, ask yourself that and maybe it's worth it. But, um, I think that there's kind of a misconception with that. Mm-hmm. That's huge. You're right. Like what, like, what is that five pounds going to change in my life? Who's going to love me more when I lose those five exactly. pounds? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And then I love hearing, um, we've talked about the intuitive eating book that that book really helps you change your mindset around food. Are there any other books out there that you're like, Oh my gosh, these books were so powerful and just kind of shaping you who you are, um, that you think people should read? So one of the books that I actually really like is called Food Rules by Michael Pollan. It's like a really, really simple book, but it's just like, just like little food rules, like don't eat food that your grandparents didn't have and like the five um, food nutritional label stuff. And obviously it's like an 80, 20 principles type of thing. Um, but just like little things of like how to tell like what is healthy food versus what isn't, because I think that also is a common misconception. There's a lot of like fitness people who put out like kind of garbage for food and market it as like fat burning and really people think it's healthy. Um, when it's actually got plenty of chemicals in it, you might as well be eating like the Snickers candy bar that you really want. Um, and so I think that book is really helpful at just kind of breaking down, like what is actually healthy food and how do I know that I'm getting the micronutrients and the good nutrients that I need in my body? Is he the guy that has the like eat plants, not too many, or like eat food? It's like a seven word. Maybe. I th- he's written a few books, so it might be him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this one is just like a tiny little book. It's paperback. Um, and it's probably got like. I don't know, 50 rules in it or something. And they're just really straightforward, simple things. Yeah, that's helpful. And I think that too, like the more that we complicate stuff and you're like, I don't know what I'm supposed to eat. Then you're just like, F it. I just won't eat healthy at all. But it's like, if we make it simple and understandable, then you can actually do it and implement Mm -hmm. it and like see the health changes that you're looking for. So that's you. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Awesome. Yeah. So if people wanted to connect with you to find out more about getting better sleep or just feeling better, where can they find you? Yeah. So, um, over my website, it's alliedameron.com, um, or Instagram is alliedameron. Those are two great places. I have a, um, Facebook group called holistic health with alliedameron on Facebook, obviously, where we do lots of, um, challenges and posts and just information on there. So, um, that's also a great place. Awesome. Yeah. 
And then I do have, I guess, this free sleep download. So if you're struggling with sleep, um, on my website under the free resources section, there's a sleep guide there that gives good tips on how to get good night's sleep. That's awesome. So powerful. Definitely going to check that out. All right. Well, I will put all of those links in the show notes. You can find and connect with Allie. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. It was so nice to talk to you. Hey, Jacqueline here. Quick heads up. If you're not in the Imperfect Eating Facebook group, you're missing out. We do live polls in there every week, kind of seeing what areas you're struggling with with your food journey. Um, some questions that we went over was, how do I stop eating everything over the weekend and feeling like a failure on Sunday? Or how do I stop eating past fullness? Or how do I go on vacation and like actually enjoy the food, but also not need to do a detox when I get home? So I do a poll every week, and then every Friday I'm in there live answering your questions, so you can hop in there too and answer questions or ask questions um, as we are taping. Uh, again, this group is completely free, just a place for us to connect. So the link to that is in the show notes. I can't wait to connect with you. Take care.